Hello, my name is Sheila and I would like to welcome you to my podcast All About You. I love to listen to podcasts and especially conversations with famous people. However, I think everyone has a story to tell. Maybe a place you have visited, a hobby you enjoy or anything that you feel would be of interest. I want to have conversations with lots of different people and hear their stories. So if you have a story to tell, please contact me on my email allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com. I'd like to welcome you to another conversation on the All About You podcast. My guest today is David Harvey, who lives in Portsmouth in the UK. David is a long distance runner. So David, welcome to the podcast and thank you for being a guest. Very welcome. Thank you for having me. Well, David, how did your running journey begin? Ah, so that's that that's um interesting question actually, because in my twenties I was um quite overweight. I partied a lot, I used to drink a lot and um just I think uh, over over a number of years after after leaving school when I was nice and fit, used to play a lot of cricket. It's sort of um been this fit, you know, fit young person and then and then left boarding school, went to college and started smoking weed and started drinking too much and just generally being a bit of um, a bit of a rebel, was really into music, played in played in a band and did a lot of touring, um, and got to this point I think when I was around the age of twenty seven, yeah, when about the age of twenty seven I, I noticed myself um, being quite overweight, had some man boobs, and the gym never really appealed to me, um, and I thought you know I used to see people in gyms and stuff standing there flexing their muscles in the mirror that kind of thing and I thought oh what a bunch of poses so decided to go to a place down Fratton Road called United Footwear and I bought just bought a pair of running trainers sort of took my dragged my fat body out of the house <laughs> and um, went and ran a mile and and I found that I was able to run a mile non-stop pretty much I was probably about four or five stone heavier than I am now. So um was, I don't know, 16, 17 stone, that kind of thing. Really unhealthy. Could hardly breathe. And, yeah, so did, did this this did this did mile in Portsmouth, and, and it made me feel amazing. And it was the, the first time for years that I'd actually sort of, I guess, broken out of the sweat that when I didn't have a guitar around my neck, really, I was pretty much addicted from then and so I went went from running just one mile to sort of like building up a little bit a little bit kind of carefully and then I I just remember myself really quickly getting up at five o'clock in the morning every morning to go and you know run just three or four miles before work suddenly all this weight just dropped off me and I went you know it was like someone has um, pricked me with a pin <laughs> and I went from fat guy to skinny lanky guy really quickly and it just made me feel a lot better it increased it, my mood got much better increased my confidence I felt much better about myself and the better, the better about the way I looked I started needing to buy different clothes and you know 
and and these this pair of running trainers that I bought, I really they probably lasted me a year or two, you know, and I didn't think about getting into it in any serious way, you know, if I'm honest. And it just it's just sort of like just kind of happens, and you know, I think that I'm I'm a guy that you know whether I, whether I work or play, I'm a guy that goes full in 100%. So um, if I start something and I like it, then you'll find that I'll take it to the to an extreme. So if I'm gonna get, if I'm gonna drink, I'm gonna get really drunk. If I'm gonna go for a run, then I'm gonna go and run 100 miles in one go. That kind of thing. <laughs> So my my natural kind of personality took over very quickly, and uh, just just went full in on the running. We my friend Lee, who was a fellow fatty, he um, he started running as well, and I remember him saying that he ran five miles a day, and I was like, what? People can do that? People can run five miles a day? And um, we we hooked up for a run, and and, and then really quickly, whilst we were running i think we were running just like 13 miles so about about half marathon we decided to um go and run 100 miles and so we went and did that um and so i think it was only six months later that we found ourselves standing in in kent about to run 108 miles along the green sand way so it really did just go from nothing to you know an incredible kind of uh distance really quickly so i was completely hooked and um we ran that 108 miles over four days just off our own backs with no idea what we were doing i had no idea what i was doing i was wearing cotton socks i was wearing a pair of road shoes it was muddy and um, had completely inappropriate clothes on had the biggest bag heaviest bag nothing to carry any water in but hey bugger it we, we were we were having a great time so we just decided to to go for a run and then and ran to hazelmere from kent <laughs> It I mean, absolutely incredible. I mean, you started off saying, and you've been incredibly honest here, David, as in your lifestyle and how you were living at that time. Yeah. You decided, okay, I'm just going to go out and run one mile, which for a lot of people would just make them shut the front door and lie on the sofa to start with. We just went and got a pair of shoes, didn't particularly look at any technical just nearest pair of trainers okay run a mile I mean that's just incredible and the fact that you then felt so much better so quickly Mm. that obviously gave you the motivation to to continue and as you say less than six months from that first point you are standing there (laughs) looking at this very long race yeah and and you were putting yourself forward to do this yeah yeah, so that 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 was just something that we did to raise money that we did off our own backs because it was a it was a bunch of friends that you know we just thought oh let's go and do that is something to do because <laughs> what else is there to do? But I remember going to my first ever ultra distance race. So I went and did this thing called the Norman Conquest 50 miler. I turned up at the the start line of that, and there were all these guys that were dressed that I used to like to call Salomon Man. So Salomon's a brand that people sort of dress up and it makes them look slick and cool and like they're really good at running and there was me turned up in like a t-shirt that probably said Metallica a pair of shorts and a bag that was leaking water everywhere and I looked like an absolute fraud 
Um, but I finished it. You know, I managed to do it. I had like chorizo in my in my um, or chorizo. What's what's the chorizo sausage? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and was completely not prepared for any of this, but just went and did it anyway because it seemed like a good thing to do. And um, particularly with these ridiculously long distance runs that I like now, I guess uh, you know I've, I've done 145 miles in one go now. Like with these long runs, you, you sort of have to be quite well prepared. So I would always turn up at the start when I started running with these races and just not be very well prepared at all. But we just go for it and love it because <laughs> that's so, what. It's so about. your your sort of motivation overtook the actual planning in making sure you had the correct gear so that you didn't have any injuries or blisters. You weren't prepared with the with the water, the correct clothing. You no. just let's just go and do it and and bugger the consequences i've got i've got a philosophy of jfdi which is just fucking do it if there's so you know so someone challenges me to something then i find it very difficult to say no or and if if there's something that i'm in a i'm in an iron about then my jfdi comes over in my head and i'm like oh just bloody go and do it for god's sake stop thinking about it and and worrying about it because that's that just stresses you out. <laughs> so are you quite a driven person? Then you say you generally go for everything 100%, which is a phenomenal personality mm. trait to have anyway. But the fact that you are doing these incredibly long races, I mean, I'm thinking here about a marathon, which is sort of 26 miles. You mm. are doing five times that and you are ill-prepared. I mean... So, yeah. So nowadays I'm much much better prepared than I used to be. <laughs> That's so, necessity from injury, pain, blisters yeah. and bloody feet, I should imagine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I think it was 2014 I did my first 100-mile race and that was Thames Path 100, so from Richmond to Oxford. Stood on the start line there as a massive imposter, you know, not deserving to be there by by any right, really, but... 25 hours later, I managed to uh, end up in Oxford, having finished the race almost in tears at, at the finish line. And, and you just follow the Thames path. You've got a 28 or 30 hour time limit. And every sort of five or 10 miles, you get aid station where you can top up some water and grab a little bit of food, grab an energy gel. So you are you might... actually running for 24 hours or you do it in, in sort of blocks? So you do it in one go. So. Oh, you do do it in one go. So you're running through the night. Yeah, yeah. So, and it's, it's all quite well marked, but that's the challenge. You know, there's there's no point in doing these things unless they're going to be a real challenge. So, for me, the worst thing that can, you can put in front of me is to do something like a 5k, where I have to go all out, really, really fast, and end up at the finish line. You know, almost keeling over, out of breath. The ultra distance races like the 100 milers are, are right up my street because you can stop, have a little bit of a snack, <laughs> you can talk There's to people. more the tortoise than the hare. Yeah. Yeah, and they're really good. So, yeah, the, the Thames Path 100, I, I think I managed to finish that in 25 hours. And, and by the time I got to the finish line, I was in a pretty bad way. Um, my mum came to pick me up and pretty much had to walk me to the car and with Peter on one arm and her on the other massive blisters on my shoes I was pretty ill-prepared but it was that's how you learn from it you know you learn from your mistakes don't you spent perhaps a week trying to get over that 
I remember when I got home after that one, actually, I was completely knackered, but was insistent on going to the pub. And it took me something like half an hour to walk the five minute walk to the festing. <laughs> and I had like two sips of beer and then almost killed over and then had to like sort of have a little bit of a time out standing with my head up against the wall about to throw up and pass out. It's, you know, like I went from when I did my first hundred mile race, I got incredibly addicted to it. So I just started doing a lot of them. So I did the Thames Path something like three or four years in a row. There's a uh, company called Centurion who do some really amazing races in the UK. And they put on one called the Autumn 100, which is around Streetly and the Thames and, and the Ridgeway um, in up near Reading, that kind of area. So I did that a few years in a row and did the North Downs Way 100, which was Barnum to almost to Canterbury along the North Downs, which is incredibly hard because it's in August as well. And it's normally quite hot. Well, there's some kind of weather to challenge you and ran the South Downs Way 100 as well. There's a bit of a story about one race that truly inspires me is one called the Western States 100, which is over in California, and it's probably the world's most famous 100-mile race. And I'd always dreamed of doing it, and one of my friends who, who I run with a lot, he said, why don't you put your name down for it, and you've got less than a 1% chance of doing it because they take people all over the world so the first time you apply, you have your name in the hat once and there'll be something like 50,000 tickets in it for, you know, up to 10,000 people. Because every every time you, you don't get in, you get an extra ticket in, in the hat and then that doubles. So secondly, you get two and then third year, four and then eight and so on. So the first time I applied, I managed to get in. Oh, my now, God, the first time. <laughs> yeah. So I was... I think it's 300 people out of about 10,000 people that apply with a ridiculous amount of tickets in the hat. And um, I'd had a particularly kind of um, heavy weekend that weekend. And I'd, you know, been partying with my friends and quite drunk and, you know, just getting up to the usual shenanigans. And uh, woke up on Monday morning to find that £350 had been taken out of my account. <laughs> but we've also with this email to to inviting me to go over to California to run with some of the best ultra runners in the world. So and it was a bit of a dream come true. So immediately phoned up my mum in a in a blind panic, saying how on earth asking her how on earth am I going to be able to get over to California? Will she help me? So she thought it was quite a, quite exciting opportunity to be honest. And I think I got a um a phone call back that afternoon from her saying. Well, I've spoken to Peter about it. Should we go to Vegas as well for a week? And I was oh, like, my God. So oh they plan to come with you. <laughs> yeah. So it was a bit it was a bit of a kind of crazy day that. But we um, we planned on doing this race and going over to California. And so I did it. And and it's it's an amazing race. The Western States 100. You go through mountains and canyons in heat that's over 100 degrees and I can honestly say it's the hottest that I've ever been in my life and and you're racing against the the best people in the world you know and there's little old me who's you know quite frankly drunk too much and smoked too much in his life before this race though yeah I trained for this one as best as I could and 
so it, there's a lot of lot of training to get to the, the start line of, of that kind of thing. So you have to put in 70, 80, 90 mile weeks with back to back marathons at the weekend, that kind of thing, just to, to, to get your body in a decent shape for it. But the, the hardest part of it was because the the weather you go you go from a ski resort so it starts in snow and then when you climb up the mountains and get to the canyons it's you know it could be 40 degrees c which is really really brutal if you're if you live on sea level in portsmouth in england <laughs> and everything is relatively flat yeah for a month beforehand i spent 30 minutes to an hour sitting in a sauna just getting my body used to being hot and i'd go and run in you know, in the sunshine here, wearing wearing a puffer jacket or or a raincoat, so that I could really sweat and really get my body used to basically being more efficient in the heat. But it, it's like the, the whole point of going to do something like that, and and a lot of the races that I do now, because I've given up on doing hundred mile races willy nilly, you know, just doing it for the sake of it. Because I've sort of done that. I've done my getting into it and getting excited by it um, thing. So now. I'll only do something that truly inspires me or forces me to grow into a person that is able to complete it. So that would be something that I don't think I'll be able to do and something that I feel like is a real challenge for me that and most likely that I won't be able to finish. But, you know, that's the kind of thing that appeals to me now. And so my last the last couple of years, I've been concentrating on doing that kind of thing. <laughs> so you're more strategic now on what you do. And yeah. You're more into the planning and getting your body and your mindset in the right place to, to do these races. Yeah, that's right. So I ran ran off a load of volcanoes in La Palma, which was quite quite interesting. That was sort of like ankle deep volcanic sand, ridiculously hot as well. But the and then ran one one that I didn't know that I'd be able to do, which is quite flat but quite long, was uh, the Grand Union Canal race, which is quite a classic UK ultra which is probably one of the most famous uk ultras which you only get about 100 people starting it but that's 145 miles birmingham to london having never done more than about 100 miles i didn't really know whether that was going to be possible for me and there's that that mental element to it of when you normally finish you're still faced with another 45 50 miles to go and and what does that feel like and how do you push through that barrier is was quite appealing to me and what you notice with these kind of things is when when you start on the on the start line of a 50 mile race, you complete a 50 mile race, and you think, well, in a month I've got to go and run 100 miles. But when you finish the 50 mile, you could never think of doing it twice. Like you think, no, there's no way that I'll be able to finish a 100 mile race. So, in order to do any of these things, you have to start the race in the right mindset. So that you know that you're going to be out there for 24, 36, 48 hours without being able to sleep or without being able to stop and sit down and not having a proper meal and being dehydrated and, you know, 20 miles away from the nearest stop, that kind of thing. And that's like, you know, it's that mindset that will get you through. You know, you you can really get your body. If if you finished a 50 mile race, you'd be able to do 100. No problem. But you have to get your, your your brain in gear because because it's the mental approach to things that's that's going to be most important because you know you, your your body will get you so far but you really have to force you know get yourself in the right headspace to be able to to break through that barrier and to keep yourself going. 
when when you're 80 miles into a race or 75 miles into a race and you've still got to run another marathon but your legs hurt you know and and, and your knackers and you just want to sit down and, you, and your stomach's going you've been throwing up for the last few hours there's there's something that happens there gives you you know you either you either get to the end and you're determined or or, or you don't finish you know what's the most important thing so you've got to have that desire to be able to finish these things I mean, this is the thing, isn't it? It's the physical preparation for your body and making sure you've yeah. done the training and making sure you've got the right kit, etc. But it's the mental capacity. It's the biggest thing. I mean, all these top athletes, they use visualization. They can sit in a chair, but they can use visualization on the crowd, the weather, the sound, how they're feeling. And that's what seems to make the difference. Yeah. And and take these athletes and sports people to this this top level yeah of course and i think with that there's there's a certain confidence with in becoming really fit you know if you if you feel physically fit and good at the start line then then that's also going to boost your confidence isn't it but there has to be desire there you know because um there's just no point in starting something if you if you if you're not really sure that you'd be able to finish it You've got, you've got, you've got to want something. I think. So, I think last couple of years ago, I went and did one like quite a famous race called UTMB, which is the Ultra Trail de Mont Blanc, and you follow a trail that goes round the the Mont Blanc Massif, and it's and you have up to forty six and a half hours to do it, and it takes you over ten mountain ranges, or ten mountains that you have to peak over one hundred and five miles. And it's, you know, it's, it's pretty pretty hard in that you know that you're going to go really slow. So there's not a hell of a lot of running to do on it. And that at times you might be up at quite high altitude. And there are moments in that when, you know, when you are from Portsmouth, everything is flat. And, you're, you you know, you're stood there in the middle of in the middle of nowhere, effectively, with, with another 1,000 metre mountain to climb. And you think, what, what on earth am I doing here? But that, that's kind of part of the beauty of it. It's taking yourself into these kind of places that you would never normally go and having that kind of desire to, to get through it and to prove to yourself that you're able to actually do something like that. So looking back from where you started, as you say, you did the partying lifestyle. And when you look at yourself now, you must two two completely different people. I think that I think the guy that parties and the guy that runs are the same thing. It's just their addiction is different. <laughs> when you run, you do get that that high from the endorphins when when you run, and that's what a lot of people get addicted to. Yeah, exactly. I think the yeah, I think that when being a person that used to work in substance misuse, you would see people that would give up alcohol or give up heroin, and then get addicted to something else. You know, and uh, I'm not saying that I was you know, addicted to alcohol or heroin or anything like that, um, that's not really my bag. I think the approach to things are the same as if you've got that, if you've got that kind of personality that's going to go and try something, then you sort of tend to get deep into it and you either get burnt or you love it, you know. <laughs> so you're an all or nothing type person. Yeah, exactly. So David, how did you get into the Portsmouth Running Podcast? That's not really, it's not my podcast. That's my friend Daniel Del Piccolo's podcast, um, who is who is a great runner and he loves it. He lives for it. It's his real passion. And he, you know, something that is, what, what is it? He calls it a labour of love. And he'll do 
you know one one episode every couple of weeks and interview just local people from Portsmouth because he thinks you know you find he finds stories everyone's got their own story don't they whether run a ridiculous amount of miles or whether you run a, a few miles you know everyone's has has a story to tell and and it works on on that premise really so we get together and, and we'll have a chat before he does the interviews and we'll talk about what we're up to what's been going on in Portsmouth we might do things like talk about coffee that we've tried in Portsmouth or beers that we've tried in Portsmouth yeah so it's, it's a little bit about running a little bit about just just a couple of mates chatting you know but it's, it's his baby really um I just I'm just there for the for the ride I think at the moment <laughs> I mean Portsmouth is very much on the on the map for running because we have the great south run in theory every year and then they have the great north how have you kept yourself motivated during the lockdowns? I mean, have you been able to go out running? Because I know in the UK, you were allowed out for exercise once a day, whereas for us here in Spain, absolutely not. Are you not? Gutted. Well, we're not in lockdown now, but we were in complete lockdown for 12 weeks, which started sort of a year ago this week. We were allowed out once a week to go to the supermarket, one person per household, and you're allowed to go to the pharmacy. And that was it. So we were not allowed out for any exercise at all for the first couple of weeks. And then we were allowed out, but in particular age groups within a certain distance from your residence, that type of thing. So we were in a very, very strict. I mean, we were quite happy here. We got a small balcony and we were out there doing the Joe Wicks workout every morning thing because it's very easy when you're used to doing loads of walking and all of a sudden that's taken away from you and you're maybe having a biscuit with a cup of coffee, you know, you might be having a glass of wine, whereas you would normally, it's very easy for the weight to go on. We haven't put weight on during the pandemic, but a lot of people have because the boredom, the lifestyle, the stress, not being out and about. So how did you keep motivated? Well, I normally normally make sure that I've got a race to aim for anyway um so I, I I'd signed up to the Thames Path 100 again because there was no obviously no chance of being able to go abroad and see something interesting quite kind of interesting actually we spent a few months in Thailand and um Cambodia and then came back and a week later it was a lockdown so was in pretty good mental mental shape when when the lockdown started and I think that lasted until about October or something like that and was like Hey, isn't life great? You know, because because the sun had kind of carried me through. But like, I think I, I I signed up to the Thames Path Hundred, had a place on the South Downs Hundred, which both of those I had I volunteered at the year before, so I had a place there. There's something to do um, more than anything, just in case. But the Thames Path in in May got postponed and was put in September, and then the South Downs Hundred was postponed and put to November. So ended up not having anything to do but was still kind of training for something so was in this weird position where I was running a shitload of miles and not knowing whether it was for a purpose or for a reason and whether races were going to go ahead and then one drunken afternoon I decided to sign up to something called the coast to coast which was uh, going from uh, west coast to east coast of England just on the you know thinking that it would probably get cancelled um, but it didn't <laughs> So I found myself training for this 140 mile race that was three month, three weeks after a, the Thames Path 100 and both those races went on. So I had this, had a whole load of um, last summer just doing lots of miles, 
but to, to run these two races. But it was difficult. Lockdown hasn't been nice here. It's been much, much easier than, than you guys. So we've been allowed out for exercise. So if you go for a run, then, you know, you can you can just run around a, a one mile loop or something like that or go up the roads. You know, there's no real restriction to it. And that's kind of the beauty of running, I think, is that you don't need to have an exercise bike. You just need a pair of, you don't need a gym. You can just have a pair of trainers. And, you know, whether you're running on a long bit of trail or running a 100 meter kind of like lap or anything like that, you're still just running, aren't you? So all of it all of it is good to you know if you're doing like a, a lap run then it's good for your mental kind of strength to kind of endure that the same and the boring but yeah it's, it's been all right I mean work's been the hardest for the lockdown I think because there's not been any choice to go and see people and you find yourself quite isolated I think and, and so so that's been quite difficult but exercise wise it's been absolutely fine. <laughs> Have you set yourself any running goals for this year? Yeah, I have. <laughs> um, yeah, so what am I doing this year? In I'm currently training to try and try and get a personal best at marathon. So the Goodwood Marathon is happening in on the 25th of April, and ideally I'd like to go under three hours on that. Don't think that's going to happen because I had COVID a couple of months ago, and it really like I was quite fit before that, but it's it's just done something a little bit kind of sinister. And I had it very, very light. You know, I wouldn't want to have it bad, but it still affected me a little bit. And I think it would probably take a few more months to get get back to that kind of proper level of fitness. But mainly this year, we're going over to Chamonix, maybe, depending on what the coronavirus situation is. I'm going to run a race called the TDS that goes from Italy to France around the mountains there. And then hopefully in October going to run a 250 mile race going from North Wales to South Wales across so. <laughs> 250 miles is, is this through a few days is this running through the night again yeah it's it's all in one go so you've got a start time and a finish time which is some I think it's about 88 89 hours and it appeals to me because it's it's sort of hard to complete and I don't know if I can do it <laughs> listening to what you've been talking about you are just so good at pushing yourself yeah yeah I, I just cannot believe the story you started you've been totally honest about your lifestyle and, and partying and now you're talking about doing these incredible races which you have done which is absolutely amazing yet you are still pushing the envelope you are still pushing yourself physically mentally you're you're trying to recover from covid so sorry to hear you've had to go through that david but you're hearing these stories of people yes i've got over it but it has affected me in this way and and as you say it's going to take longer yet you are still pushing yourself mm. yeah well, you've, you've got to have a project haven't you <laughs> I, I am just yeah or of the way that you're brutally honest on this is where I was and how I lived my life being overweight and partying etc and now you're reeling off these incredible races and experiences you're pushing yourself you've gone through covid but you're push 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 yes I'm doing this I've applied for that 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 is what a journey what a journey I don't know if it's yeah I, I think I think you're right it is pushing yourself but I think it's quite relative to people isn't it 
Um, so if someone if someone's doing a 5k and just starting out, then the next step for them is to go and run a 10k, is to go in three miles to six miles to 10 miles. And and it's that putting yourself out of the comfort zone to re- and, and it is pushing yourself, you're right. But life kind of begins there for me because comfort just breeds contempt and 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 you get too familiar and life will pass you by. You know, comfort is is the is the evil. It really is. And um and you sort of sit there and, and you don't get challenged by comfort, do you? You don't achieve anything through being comfortable. It's not until you take yourself out of that comfort zone and push yourself. And then you can make that comfortable and then you can you can push it further. And, to, and who knows what you'll be able to accomplish. You could be, you know, the sky's the limit. You could really, there are people that can do things that blow my mind. You know, the mind boggles these people in the army that are able to go and put themselves in situations and, and keep cool, you know, to be in the middle of when, when the shit hits the fan. If you can keep, if you can keep calm in those situations, then I think you're doing pretty well. Put yourself in a crap situation, stress, stress yourself, you know, challenge yourself and you'll never and, and you'll be surprised what you can do. And anyone can do what I can do. You know, they really can. But you have to go and put yourself out there because otherwise you just won't achieve it. And I think that, you know, that's it's, it's, it is that taking yourself out of your current comfort and seeing, you know, can I do this? And that, and that really appeals to me. And, and the harder it is. You know, the, the more chance of failure means that when you actually complete it, it will feel even better. I think what's, they say the tougher the battle, the sweeter the victory. I mean, when you run now, I'm hoping you have the right technical clothing. The... Yeah, just about. But I'm, I'm not a fan of buying stuff. Pointless crap. So the, the running shorts that I have have been stitched up a hundred times because people buy too many things. So if you can, if you can re, you know, if you can repurpose things cut the arms off a t-shirt to turn it in a vest when the t-shirt's not good anymore i'm all for that you know you, you can't there's no excuse to not be able to go and do things because you can repurpose anything that you've got if you've not got a pair of shorts then cut a pair of jeans in half go for a run whilst i do have certain things like like a hydration vest where you keep your keep the water in that's brought into pieces i'm not one of these guys that's going to go out there and purposely buy the best t-shirts and the best shorts and the best socks that's not what it's about you know? like the stuff that the, the stuff that will keep you alive then that's important but everything else you know you can just re-splodge it all together into some kind of like workable thing <laughs> I, I think we we've all sort of seen people in various sports where it's sort of all the gear but no idea yeah you know, gone out and bought all this incredible stuff but then they haven't got a clue and it's not just in running you see it in, in every sport you know yeah. I'm I'm just amazed, David, at how you are pushing yourself. I mean, I look back when many many years ago I did the the Great South, and yeah. I remember Pete had done it. I think the first year we lived in in South Sea, and the route is all around where we live. So literally, the training ground was part of the route. And he said, "Why don't you have a go?" I'm not a natural runner. I'm an exerciser, but I'm not a runner. And I remember we went out one Sunday morning and just to run to the lamppost at the end of the street was like, I'm never going to do this. Two years in a row, I completed it. And I remember on one of the runs, I I saw this sign. It was like, oh, you know, three kilometers the end or something. And then there was this man in front of me and he was dressed as a giant flip flop. (laughs) I got to the point, I thought, I really cannot do this anymore. And I spotted this guy and I thought, 
Sheila, all you've got to do is just to overtake the giant flip-flop. All <laughs> you've got to do is that one thing. Yeah. And, and this was a giant flip-flop. It was probably the size of a single bed wrapped <laughs> to his back. It was quite a warm day. And I was just fixated on this giant flip-flop. Just get in front of him, Sheila. And then if you want to stop, you can, but you've got to overtake this giant flip-flop. And I did. I overtook him, and I carried on. And as you say, when I finished... That feeling, because I wasn't a runner, Pete, Pete had trained me, and I remember walking, running along South Sea Seafront, and I went out, lovely day, halfway through the run, there was a hailstorm. It was absolutely horrendous. They, they were really hurting your skin. And I thought, no, Sheila, you're cold, you're wet, you're fed up, you're being rained on by hailstorms, keep going. And when I came back, sort of jumped in the hot shower, and I remember Pete saying to me, well, you're a real runner now. He said, have you have you spat in the street yet? No, I haven't. I <laughs> could never bring myself to do that. But yeah. I remember, and, and I've got my medals. And when I look back, I thought, God, did I really do that? Did I really do that? But, yeah, it, it's incredible, your story. Sounds like a good lesson for life is just get past the giant flip-flop. Well, <laughs> it was at the time, and I, I've never, ever forgotten the guy as the giant yeah lot but on that one thing yeah I think that when you do when you do stuff like Great South Run or what I do or you know marathons that we're never going to get any recognition for it are we really because so it all becomes something that's about yourself and your internal kind of ambition and your struggle um, and about doing it for yourself and you don't ever want to let yourself down, do you? So, and, and that's the drive, you know, and, and that's what you do it for, isn't it? Is that, is that personal accomplishment? Because I'm not going to stand up on the podium, you know, in, in the Olympic Stadium you know, with, with a medal or anything like that. So my purpose is completely different. So if I don't finish something, then it become, it, it's I'm letting myself down and I'm not letting anyone else down. So, uh, and, you know, when you go and do a great stuff, run or park run, if you don't finish it, then no, no one's going to care. But you know inside whether you're able to do it or not. I think you can be your biggest cheerleader and yeah. you can be your biggest critic. Two different sides of sort of the same person. Are you going to motivate yourself to do something? Or are you, say, are you going to stay in your comfort zone? You know, nobody can motivate you. They can give you all the ideas and the tools but you're the one that has to say, okay, I'm going to give it a go, or yeah, I'm going to do it, or I'm going to try. Because we always think motivational speakers, they motivate you. They give you the tools, but at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to put the shoes on and go outside that front door. You're the one that's going to pick up that paintbrush or start writing that novel. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You've got to, you've got you know, the, the gremlins on your shoulder is... is the hardest person to kind of like, you know, to to ignore really. Sometimes you've just got to go five, four, three, two, one. Just just fucking do it, you know. JFDI and just get out there and see if you can and put yourself in there. In that because otherwise you're just going to end up sitting there wondering and stressing yourself out, aren't you? <laughs> I mean, David, you are taking the running to a whole new level. What advice would you give to somebody who's going to listen to this and think, okay? Well, running the ultras are not my thing, but maybe I might put myself down for a local 5K or something yeah. like that. What advice would you give them? Well, if, if you've never done it before, then you won't know whether you can do it. So you might as well just go and sign up and find out. So just just 
you know, just go and do it. Like, just put your shoes on and go and see what it's like, whether it's raining or, or not. But, you know, whether it's running or whether it's painting, then you've got to find out, find something that you enjoy and that gives you purpose. However hard running is when you first go and do it, it's it, if you if you put the work in, then over, only over a month or two, it only it won't take long for you to get very comfortable doing speeds and the distance, and and then you can build it up and it be, and it will become a friend to you. But you won't know that unless you don't go and try it first. So I would just you know count down from five and then put your trainers on and get out the door. <laughs> I think for me personally, when I started the running. Something I wasn't prepared for and didn't expect at all was the mental clarity. Once you get running into your rhythm, and it might take you a while to get into that, and then you, you forget about what you're doing because basically all you are doing is left, right, left, right, repeat, repeat. You start to think. You then get clarity. You get ideas. You get solution to problems. It's funny you should say that because I guess what what I've not spoken about is is the therapeutic side to it because it's such a part of my life now that it is it's inherently meditational for me and I go out and I and I do a run and it clears my mind it makes me feel good it makes my in my head it makes my body look better you know it gives me more confidence it makes me happier it's you know that 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 mental side and the physical side is fantastic. But there's something else about it which you can't put your finger on sometimes, and that's the meditational aspect of it, where it just sort of takes that cloud away. And you might be running for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes, hour, and then you realise you haven't really thought about anything, and then you get this kind of calmness and relaxation. If I'm at work and I can't solve a problem, or I don't know what to do, or I'm just getting a little bit worked up or a little bit stressed out about something, I think, no, stop it, go out and go for a run. And only about 10, 15 minutes into that run, I'll go, ah, that's what I need to do. And it might be as simple as thing as not really knowing how to word an email to go and just, you know, they're not going to care or, you know, or this is how you word it. Or it might be that you've got to have a difficult conversation with someone. And then, you know, within just going out for a run, it will just make it easier for you. And it, it really, really works. So it's one of the kind of, um, everyone talks about that kind of like physical side to it and the mental health side to it but then there's that extra benefit to it as well which is that maybe it's a sense of assertiveness or or like you say clarity about being able to get things done or do stuff or approach things in certain ways and and I think that's part of that kind of meditational aspect to it where it just kind of like takes that cloud away from your mind. Yeah I, I think for me that is one of the aspects of running to me that was the biggest surprise how it's cleared my mind you get solutions to problems as you say once you get into your rhythm mm. and you know you start to oh it's cold I really don't want to do this and you know my legs ache this type of thing some that just seems to disappear because you're almost on this zone I mean I think they call it sort of you're in some kind of zone and then the brain just starts to sort of slow everything down and you maybe start looking around at the scenery and, and then you start sort of thinking and, and, and it's incredible how, how it goes. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It really is. I'm really glad you said that, actually, because all the other stuff is just, you know, that's just 
accomplishments are secondary to to actually what what it's all about and that's what you're saying is you know the the, the benefit to your health to your physical mental health is is astonishing and and it's got all of these extra layers to it like you're saying about that kind of clarity and and that's that's a really 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 good reason to go and do it and being a mental health nurse like you know i've worked in hospitals and substance misuse services where i'll be honest in mental health services exercise is pretty much forgotten but it's um it would be really really good to see something like running as being prescribed for people or something just to get people a little bit more motivated into into get getting out there and, and people don't have to run fast they don't have to run far you know you know small steps baby steps and and, and then those people would really start to get get the benefit of it and i'd really love to see that in the mental health services because it is something that you know when i started running i was qualified as mental health nurse i didn't really get it and i didn't see, really see how profound the effect would be for me and i think that in all honesty, if you, for people, I know a lot of people that have been particularly mentally un, unwell. If they were running at the time that, that that happens, they probably wouldn't have needed medication, and they probably wouldn't have wouldn't have relapsed so badly or been so unwell. So yeah, it's 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 definitely got kind of you know there's 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 lots to it, isn't there? And it's only left foot, right foot. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I agree totally with you. I mean, again, as I was saying earlier, you know, you are looking at the extreme end of it, but for a lot of people. If they just, you know, you've got a problem. I mean, I know the situation is different. A lot of people are still in confinement and, and um, stay, staying at home because of the COVID. Even just getting out and going for a walk, yeah. again, left, right, left, right, nice and slow, whether it's around your local park, around your, your garden, or whether you can go and walk in a forest or somewhere. Getting out to the fresh air, getting... Mm yourself out left right left right you know keep it nice and slow for a gentle stroll and then maybe pick up the pace a bit if you, if you want to go with a friend and have a chat absolutely fine if you want to do it on your own but yeah. just getting out and walking maybe you want to up the pace you know a little bit faster yeah. go out for five minutes and then the next day you're going out right I'm going to walk for seven minutes and you know we've all got our mobile phones we can track a route we can see how long we're walking Mm. and I average speed and I'm just getting out getting some exercise getting into the fresh air you just never know where that would lead to I'm not saying doing that will lead everyone to the ultras you're doing but for no. mental health and I think especially with what we've gone through the last year just get out small walk in your local park I think that can make a huge difference for everybody I mean, when we when I first got COVID and uh, hadn't I think Heather had got it first um, and we were put into our self-isolation. I was doing laps of the garden. <laughs> you know, even that felt made, made me feel good. You know, I, I think that there's, if you look at it physically and mentally, there's there's a lot of benefit in just having a 30-minute walk each day. And I, I'm not one to be preachy about exercise, although I, I hope it hasn't come across like that. But, you know, there's there's a lot a lot of benefit of just getting out of the house for a bit, isn't it? Even if it's walking to the shop, you know, it's it's relaxing, it's good for you. And you yeah. never know where it might lead you if just that walk around your park. You never know. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant this conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. No, you're welcome. Thank you for oh, having. It's been really good. Well, David, I wish you luck with your recovery from COVID. Yes.
And maybe we'll have to have you back on later in the year after you've, you've uh, completed some of these challenges you've given yourself. Yeah. Oh, well, thanks ever so much, David. Thank you. Yes. I hope you have enjoyed the conversation. Don't forget, if you have a story you would like to tell, please get in touch. My email address is allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com and thank you for listening.